listening to Phenomenology Club Radio. Hello and thank you for listening to this audio podcast. I am Buttress, the host of Phenomenology Club, which is an interactive online community of artists and thinkers centered around this content that I create and curate online for us to talk about which is why both our tagline for Phenomenology Club and the subtitle for this discussion series is Talk About It. Most of these uploads are originally streamed live on our YouTube page. If you're interested in interacting with those as they happen live, please go subscribe and turn on the notifications at youtube.com slash phenomenologyclub. And in general, to learn more about our club, what we do, and how you can become a member for only $1 a month, please visit our website at www.phenomenology.club. Thank you for listening. Stay trippy. Freedom isn't free. Now there's a hefty fucking fee. Hello, and welcome back to Talk About It, the official podcast series of Phenomenology Club, our interactive online internet club where we do drugs and talk about philosophy. Or rather, never mind, that's pretty much it. Um, Join our Discord, it's only $1, www.phenomenology.club, I'm in there every fucking day. Anyway, (coughs) how y'all doing? Welcome back. Um, Let's talk about stuff, let's talk about it. I'm not usually topical. I haven't been uploading very frequently, and when I do, it's about whatever random bullshit, usually. Though I did do a 4th of July upload, that was pretty topical, though my dumbass forgot to upload it to Spotify, so apologies, Spotify listeners, I'll do that later today while I upload this one to Spotify. But anyway, I've decided to be topical for once. I want to talk about this letter that I've been seeing making the round. Rounds. Uh, up. Oh, somebody just said, speaking of free speech, Bethany, TikTok has been officially shut down and banned in the U.S. because Trump. Ha! <laughs> Can't say I'm sad about that, honestly, because TikTok freaks me the fuck out. I don't know about you guys, but I've been on TikTok, like, once, and I felt like a pedophile just being there. Like, that space is not for adults. I don't know how young you should be to not feel like a pedophile on TikTok, but basically... If you're on TikTok, you're a fucking pedophile. Get off that shit. Can't say I'm upset about that. But, you know, I I technically would probably be opposed to TikTok getting shut down, I guess, for reasons that we'll discuss here in a second. Um, You love listening to me? Thank you, Azel. You fucking bitch. Love you. <laughs> Dylan, I'm okay with no TikTok. The amount of metadata they were taking is insane. Well, that's true for just about every website on Al Gore's internet, isn't it? I mean, if you go on the internet, unless you uh, know exactly what you're doing and how to bypass using VPNs or whatever the fuck you're doing, uh, you're pretty much going to have data collected on you that will be sold to somebody. Um, This is just one of many problems. The problem of free speech, period, is so multifaceted. There's so much necessary or rather, there's so much nuance necessary to having any comprehensive kind of discussion about free speech. Um, and this is part of why you could say we need free speech or we need a culture that at least venerates free speech if we want to have discussions such as this one about free speech. We have to be open and uninhibited 
and ready to say whatever we feel. Confident to ask questions, Jacqueline, sup, sup, Jacqueline. So anyway, have you guys read this letter? Um, this letter published in uh, Harper's Magazine, I guess, is Harper's a magazine? It's some sort of uh, literature publication. Um, it's only three paragraphs long, so I think that we should actually just read it together real quickly. I'll read it out loud. I can even bring the text up on the screen. Are you ready? You ready for this? Watch. Watch this. You ready? Boom! If you're on YouTube listening live or on YouTube period listening to this, look at the screen if you'd like to view the text as we read this text. Uh, obviously won't be possible on Spotify, but that's fine. Get the fuck over it. Go to harpers.org and read this letter. It's called A Letter on Justice and Open Debate. And uh, Noam Chomsky was one of the signees of this letter. And I am not uh, very well read in Chomsky. I don't know about you guys. I think Dylan, you're a big Chomsky fan. That's cool. Uh, from what I do know about Chomsky, he is what you would call a free speech absolutist. And this is part of what's being posted amidst this discussion. People are posting clips of speeches he's given throughout the years and, uh, you know, clips from whatever text he's published. He's a very published author um, where he's defending free speech. One of the clips making the rounds is him defending the rights of people who are Holocaust deniers to be able to say whatever they wish about the Holocaust, you know, not being real. This is the stance of Holocaust deniers. And I believe that Chomsky himself is a Jewish man. Um, so, you know, people find this viewpoint to be sort of admirable. And the fact that he signed this letter alongside, I think, like 150 people it was, people who are... Um, I believe fall all over the political spectrum. There's conservative people that sign these letters, this letter. There's more liberal thinkers, more leftist thinkers. This is, uh, you know, my superficial understanding of this. I'm not a fucking expert on this Harper's letter, whatever the fuck. But, um, from what I understand, this letter was signed by a multitude of people all across the political spectrum. And what I've observed is that people are canceling Noam Chomsky for signing this letter because of some of the other people that signed it with him. But part of the reason all these clips are making the rounds is because people are saying, well, this is not out of character for Noam Chomsky. I mean, he's even out here. He's been defending the rights of even people like holocaust deniers to be able to speak freely without impunity you know since uh, however long ago i don't know when this clip uh is from of that specific thing but i believe it's from like the 80s which is what 40 years ago now man's is pretty old i believe he's 91 or 92 so this really shouldn't surprise people uh but they're canceling him anyway which is kind of funny but uh, before we get into the discussion, let's just read this uh, together real quick because it's not long at all, like I said. Let's just go paragraph by paragraph. Um, so this first paragraph, let us begin. <coughs> let me get my reading voice on. <coughs> I have coffee right here. I'll take a sip. Here we go. A Letter on Justice and Open Debate. This was published July 7th, which was, what, three days ago? Two days ago. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Our cultural institutions are facing a moment of trial. 
Powerful protests for racial and social justice are leading to overdue demands for police reform, along with wider calls for greater equality and inclusion across our society, not least in higher education, journalism, philanthropy, and the arts. But this needed reckoning has also intensified a new set of moral attitudes and political commitments that tend to weaken our norms of open debate and toleration of differences in favor of ideological conformity. As we applaud the first development, we also raise our voices against the second. The forces of illiberalism are gaining strength throughout the world and have a powerful ally in Donald Trump, who represents a real threat to democracy. But resistance must not be allowed to harden into its own brand of dogma or coercion, which right-wing demagogues are already exploiting. The democratic inclusion we want can be achieved only if we speak out against the intolerant climate that has set in on all sides. Okay, so this was the first paragraph. And from what I gather from this first paragraph, I mean, I don't see anything particularly contentious, or at least what I see in this first paragraph is that the authors of this text, I forget who actually composed the text. His name is here somewhere. Um, but they're really kind of outlining a stance for themselves, right? I mean, they have identified for one that Donald Trump and his peoples are um, some sort of enemy, quote unquote, of the stance of these people uh, signing the letter, you know, they're identifying themselves on being as being in opposition to him. So I think this is important, you know, and makes sense from what I know about Noam Chomsky. I believe that he's officially an anarchist. But I know that he has, you know, his fan base is on the left or among liberals or whatever. Um, and it says here, the forces of illiberalism are gaining strength. So this letter that from this first paragraph, they're really uh, putting themselves in a clear political position, right? This is the stance of people who are uh, saying that they defend democracy and liberal ideas. So this is uh, important, I think, because a lot of these discussions about free speech and complaints about free speech and stuff, I think we tend to overwhelmingly see coming from the right and coming from more conservative people. At least this is my experience as an American. I'm not sure. I'm sure it's different depending on what country you reside in. But, you know, this is a letter, I, I think, from an American. And we're talking about Donald Trump here, but also about how the kind of conservative attitudes that Donald Trump pushes are, uh, you know, th this kind of attitude is gaining strength around the world. So this is important. They have set themselves a clear uh, political alignment. Let's read this second paragraph now. <clears throat> The free exchange of information and ideas, the lifeblood of a liberal society, is daily becoming more constricted. While we have come to expect this on the radical right, censoriousness is also spreading more widely in our culture. An intolerance of opposing views, a vogue for public shaming and ostracism, and the tendency to dissolve complex policy issues in a blinding moral certainty. 
We uphold the value of robust and even caustic counter speech from all quarters. But it is now all too common to hear calls for swift and severe retribution in response to perceived transgressions of speech and thought. More troubling still, institutional leaders in a spirit of panic to damage control are delivering hasty and disproportionate punishments instead of considered reforms. Editors are fired for running controversial pieces. Books are withdrawn for alleged inauthenticity. Journalists are barred from writing on certain topics. Professors are investigated for quoting works of literature in class. A researcher is fired for circulating a peer-reviewed academic study. And the heads of organizations are ousted for what are sometimes just clumsy mistakes. Whatever the arguments around each particular incident, the result has been to steadily narrow the boundaries of what can be said without the threat of reprisal. We are already paying the price in greater risk aversion among writers, artists, and journalists who fear for their livelihoods if they depart from the consensus or even lack sufficient zeal and agreement. Now this paragraph too, I think is important um, because it's really, it's really outlining the stance. Uh, it's kind of preventatively fighting, I think, the kinds of criticisms that we're already seeing of this letter, where they say, um, where is it? Censoriousness is also spreading more widely in our culture. They're making it clear that this is a critique of culture, right? This isn't necessarily a critique of some new governmental policy. This is a critique of culture, which is what cancel culture is, right? Even though cancel culture was not the term used in this letter from what I can see, but it's a clickbaity kind of uh, buzz, buzz phrase that I've seen like all these various institutions posting about it, like open letter against cancel culture. Nobody, I don't think that those words are even used in this letter, but I think this is important because this is one of the things that uh, people are critiquing about the letter, saying like uh, everyone has the right to do what they want, say what they want, but people also have the right to fight back or whatever, or you know, get try to get people fired or whatever the hell. And I think that it's important, too, because a lot of these signees were celebrities. And this is part of the overwhelming critique of cancel culture. People are like, well, celebrities aren't really getting canceled. So, like, what's this fucking criticism, you know? But I think that that's, that's not really a sufficient criticism because, the, I mean, they're giving examples here of what exactly they're talking about. Things like professors being investigated for quoting works of literature in class. I, I believe I heard like some professor was fired, I think for like, I don't know what book they were reading from, but they were reading aloud and I think maybe said like a racial slur. But you know, it was, it, I, I think that they were just like reading from the text. I don't even know exactly what text they were discussing. Things like this, you know, people being fired because of the premise of peer reviewed academic studies that they published, you know, because these, what you might believe are the underlying motives for publishing such a study are something you disagree with, you know, like things like this. This is what they're talking about. People you've never heard of getting fired, getting 
uh, their publications taken down. Like this, this stuff is happening all the time and we're not hearing about it. We're only hearing about it from people like Noam Chomsky and some of these other signees who have the money, have the clout, have the fucking, I don't know, they, they, they won't really be, they can't be canceled. They're uncancelable. I think that that's important when thinking about, about this. Because, you know, people always frame the issue around celebrities, but celebrities are really the only people who can't be canceled. If you get fired from your job doing some shit, we're never going to hear about that, you know? Anyway, one more, more paragraph. Let's read it and let's uh, talk, talk about it. Last paragraph. This stifling atmosphere will ultimately harm the most vital causes of our time. The restriction of debate whether by a repressive government or an intolerant society, invariably, <laughs> invariably hurts those who lack power and makes everyone less capable of democratic participation. The way to defeat bad ideas is by exposure, argument, and persuasion, not by trying to silence or wish them away. We refuse any false choice between justice and freedom, which cannot exist without each other. As writers, we need a culture that leaves us room for experimentation, risk-taking, and even mistakes. We need to preserve the possibility of good-faith disagreement without dire professional consequences. If we won't defend the very thing on which our work depends, we shouldn't expect the public or the state to defend it for us. So that's the letter, very short. Um, I don't think that it's particularly contentious. So let's talk about this letter. What do you guys think about this letter and about this question of free speech and whether or not we exist in a cancel culture <clears throat> or something that resembles one? Because, you know, a lot of people say that this doesn't exist at all. And this is something that I already did some upload about a while back. One of the first uploads I ever did um, that came out around when Dave Chappelle did his comedy special Sticks and Stones, if you want to go listen to it. Um, and in that upload, it's been a minute, I don't remember everything, but, you know, I believe that we do exist in a sort of cancel culture and one that i am critical of because on the one hand you know i think that there's a great argument to be made that people who are making their voices heard to get certain people fired to get people removed from whatever institution to drag them on the internet these people are also exercising their free speech right because at the end of the day, I mean, who's to say that isn't criticism also free speech? Um, oh, Dylan says, I think one of the cases it's referring to is Lindsay Shepard in Canada, grad student who got fired from teaching for showing Jordan Peterson clips. Oh, yeah, I remember that, actually. I'm not sure that full story, but I believe I remember that. Is that all that she did? Just showed some Jordan Peterson clips? And look, I fucking hate Jordan Peterson. But um, if that's all she did, that's that's pretty absurd, I would say, you know, getting fired for doing this thing. Um, but like I just said, you know, I think that there's definitely a lot of nuance that is required to have 
a understanding of what the issue is, you know, and this is part of why we should be venerating free speech, because one of the problems, I think, is definitely that whether or not you like to admit it to yourself, I feel like the culture has become restrictive, the culture of public discourse, you know, people, well-intentioned people, I think, are genuinely afraid of asking questions because they might say the wrong thing. And I notice more and more people take on this sort of overly apologetic tone, almost sort of like self-flagellating now, even to ask a question, you know. Like, I know it's not your responsibility to answer this for me, and I'm sorry ahead of time if it offends anybody, but can you please, like, help me understand this thing? It's like this person is clearly well-intentioned. They just want to ask a question, but asking a question can even be considered an offense nowadays, which is sort of crazy. I mean, at the same time, I also kind of understand and s and empathize with the sentiment you know because it is true in the age of the internet we have unrestricted access to so much information and you know anything that you're really trying to get an answer for i think you pretty much can find on the internet so i do understand maybe wanting to apologize in advance for asking a question that may seem stupid as some sort of a courtesy but not something that like arises out of fear of saying the wrong thing or being canceled for asking a question itself you know and this is again and they say it in the letter i mean i think this is a cultural problem but it's one that we should not take lightly because don't all political changes and, you know, changes in legislation, I mean, like, what precedes these changes? Changes at the institutional level. And, you know, institutional level, the institutional level of academic institutions and shit, too. I mean, we're already seeing people, like they're talking about in the letter, just being fired taken out of uh publications all of these things you know that what precedes this is the cultural attitude a cultural embracement of this kind of feeling feeling that people should be able to be uh you know canceled but it's it's a really nuanced issue again because it's like well i also understand i mean I don't want to be a hypocrite here because like I run a discord server and our first rule is no racist, sexist, homophobic abuse. And if you break this rule, you will be banned, you know, it's like and this is my personal discord server. So I don't feel like this this is undemocratic. You know, I run this server by myself. If somebody doesn't want to comply with my terms of service, then of course they'll be kicked out don't fucking break my rules you know at the same time it's like well it's only a fucking discord server like what about uh, what about these other things i mean even a thing like twitter i mean should people be barred from a platform like this where this platform is also where the president of the united states of triple k america is like announcing shit on the regular like twitter clearly is a privately owned company and companies like reddit and shit which just had a huge banning of all of these subs including leftist quote-unquote subs um it's like should like well i mean this is how people 
interact with each other. This is how we get <laughs> updates from the president of the United States of Triple K America. Like, is Twitter really just some private company? Like, and they change shit on the regular too. What you're allowed to say, what you're not allowed to say. They retroactively ban people because there's enough public outcry about a thing. There's a lot going on. And, you know, this is this is what the response, I think, to criticisms of cancel culture becomes often people say well this is capitalism capitalism is functioning exactly like how it's supposed to be every private company has the right to kick you off if they if they don't agree with what you say and it's like well how can i really counteract that you know that's something i do agree with and something that i exercise on a personal level i have a private server with my own private rules you know i don't want to be associated with like if a bunch of nazis join and are talking their shit i'm not going to let them persevere in my server i don't want to be associated with this thing you know but i mean aren't we also uh, critical of capitalism you know i don't think that this is how it should be because think about it too like under capitalism you know people's livelihood is tied directly to their financial situation and i think that most of us agree that this is a problem you know this is why there's so many homeless people out here dying for no other reason than the fact that they don't own enough fucking monopoly money for whatever reason you know like it's it's absolutely terrible that your livelihood your actual ability to literally survive is intrinsically linked to your financial standing so let's assume that we came up with some sort of perfect political system in which you know nobody had this problem where everybody could live where maybe housing and food was guaranteed by the government health care you know if some of the things that we're seeing people be fired for and you know cancel quote unquote for do you think that these people in our perfect political system should be their right to eat or have housing or anything should be removed from them would this be true if we didn't exist under capitalism you know if you don't think that it's true of some other society where your abilities to survive is not linked to your financial standing then why should we venerate it in this one you know what i'm saying at the same time it's like if people are out here making racial slurs and shit uh, of course, I would understand why you don't want them associated with your company. But I think and we I think we can all see how this is kind of we have transcended that kind of a thing. It's not just like people who are out here being flagrantly flagrantly. I don't know how to pronounce this word flagrantly i believe racist or sexist or something else it's not just these people that are being canceled quote unquote it's people making honest mistakes people having differences in opinion maybe to go to this uh lindsey shepherd person you bring up showing a clip you know of Jordan Peterson or this other professor who I believe like read a racial slur aloud from a text, the source material, maybe he disagreed that he shouldn't have said this word to be faithful to the source text and other people say, well, I shouldn't have to be subject to it. I mean, that's ultimately a difference of opinion, you know, but I think and something that I said when I did the first cancel culture <laughs> upload, I think that the real problem with this for myself personally the thing that bothers me the most about it is this idea that if certain things are not up for debate the implication and the belief that a lot of people come to internalize is that these things that we're debating 
can't be debated, don't have any sort of rational backing. And this is something, if you've watched my morality video, I think you can see why I would disagree with this greatly. Because, you know, I see this language all the time. And I can only speak for, like, the demographic that I'm a part of as a woman, you know, because misogyny is, is something that's always out here. And people are getting fired for this as well and canceled and whatever the hell. Sexism. I saw somebody recently say sexism is not free speech or something or sexism sexism is not up for debate or something and this really bothers me because i believe that sexism is up for debate and this is something that i think about constantly you know like sex is shit like i don't want people to internalize the feeling that feminism or fighting for women's rights is something that has no rational backing that we're just out here fighting because like i'm a woman and as a woman i feel that this or that is wrong like no this is a logical argument i don't think that sexism is wrong for any other reason except that it's illogical the way that it functions is illogical and you know i i want us to exist in a logical society where we treat men and women in similar ways for logical reasons it's only rational you know what I'm saying? So I don't want people to internalize the feeling that, and, th and we see people do it all the time, Ben Shapiro types, like facts don't care about your feelings. Like my feelings follow facts. I know that a lot of the ways racism functions, sexism functions, the ways that it functions are illogical. They're, they're manifest through illogical prejudicial biases you know and a lot of them are easily identified and i think until you articulate this clearly to people they're not going to be able to see why you wouldn't want to be racist or sexist you know especially since a lot of the reasons people are racist and sexist are for reasons that they themselves believe to be logical this is a logical debate you know things like uh, like the bell curve uh to bring up jordan peterson i know he likes to talk about the bell curve um and you know he likes to talk about things like iq uh iq test scores among various racial demographics and shit like this you know you should not just want to silence these people because why wouldn't you want to i mean people become convinced because they don't possess the tools of logic uh, they become convinced that a thing like racism is logical, sexism is logical. They, there's entire studies um, that, you know, exist to promote these agendas that women uh, have a certain brain, there's a female brain, and there's a male brain. And unless you can actually disband these arguments with facts and logic, then you're never going to see an end to it. So why would you want to shy away from debate? You know, debate, it, it, it suggests that you have no argument. If you say that this thing is not up for debate, this thing cannot be argued, then you need to step aside and let the people who can argue these things to argue them. I don't want sexist to be censored, you know, absolutely not. Because that's not going to do shit. I want there to be free and open debate so people can use their own rational faculties to internalize my belief because I got the best one. Anyway, let me read some of these comments. <clears throat> Blotter Downey. 
I think in a lot of cases, people being canceled for vile shit is probably for the best because it'll help future generations think twice before hurting others. Really depends on how heinous it is. Well, this is important, okay, because in when I've talked ver at various times about like my criticisms of cancel culture and shit, people will bring up like R. Kelly and Weinstein and shit as if like rape can be compared to using speech in a certain way. Like, rape is a criminal act, you know? There is something dramatically different versus being quote-unquote canceled for literal rape and being canceled for, like, you know, I don't know, saying that women are retarded or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are not comparable issues. So I really hate how people, like, conflate these things. To me, it's just, it feels misogynistic. Like, you're gonna lump in can't, you're gonna lump in actual instances of rape and sexual assault and sexual harassment, which is also criminal, to cancel culture. Like, these are entirely separate issues. So please do not conflate them, people. Um... Lex said, a professor from my university posted on Facebook in regards to the alleged murder of Vanessa Guelan. Sexual harassment is the price of admission for women into the good old boys club. If you're going to cry like a snowflake about it, you're going to pay the price. Well, these words, well. See, like, reading that, okay, I can completely understand why if I worked, if I was on the administrative board of this university, I would want this person canceled, you know, because at a certain level, they represent us, you know. So, I mean, it it's a really complex issue because it's like, well, where do we draw the line? You know, words like this are just clearly hostile and promoting harmful ideals. And it's, it's easy to see why the people who possess these kinds of ideas, uh, you wouldn't want working for you because, you know, I'm sure 50% or somewhere around it of the student population is going to be female. Do you want someone like this who's like, uh, just speaking with no sort of empathy or compassion and acting like sexual harassment is a given, which sadly it's true that this is correct. Like you're going to, uh, you, why I would not want someone like this in charge of any of my student body. I would not want someone like this in a place of leadership, you know? So this, I mean, I, I don't think that this is something, uh, Oh, and it was a woman who said that. Yeah, I mean, I would not want, I would not want them working for my institution. At the same time, you know, I think maybe since it's clear that there are practical reasons why you would want someone like that fired, maybe there should be some sort of actionable protocol for when this kind of a thing happens to safeguard against things like honest mistakes being made or things that are more uh less like f or uh, things that are less obviously hostile or there's some obvious opinion or agenda being uh made you know um Hmm. Dylan says, there's a theory around how left thinking is associated with nurturing and right is associated with obedience, mother versus father metaphor. So it's kind of ironic that cancel culture is coming from the left, which is like blatant punishment, obedience. Well, I mean, this particular cancel culture, 
yes, I think it's coming from the left. Um, and it's interesting because the left's cancel culture is more cultural. And the right's is more, you know, authoritarian. Like, conservative. I mean, fascist regimes are known for being regimes that censor people. Uh, any political dissidence is silenced. Um, and, you know, just because this issue is cultural at present, even though it is making its way into institutions, like certain academic institutions and shit, like I said, you know, we need to be vigilant, my brothers, my sisters, because culture... Cultural changes always happen before the more institutional changes and the more governmental changes, right? And I'll bring this up again. I don't give a fuck. I seriously lost so many Twitter followers for this. But I'll say it again. I don't care. The Michelle Carter case should scare the fuck out of you. This case where this young woman texted her boyfriend to kill himself. Um... And he ultimately did. Well, I mean, it's a long story. Basically, what happened was, you know, at first he had expressed to her suicidal ideation. And she at first was like, no, please don't kill yourself. I love you, whatever. I mean, I believe that they were, they were mostly also internet dating. I think that they'd only met a handful of times in person, but that's not really relevant. Um, but regardless, you know, her attitude at a certain point shifted when he convinced her that he would be better off if there was an end put to his suffering, which is an idea none of us should be like completely alienated by. I mean, to think of talks like euthanasia and in certain states, it's legal to have a doctor assist your suicide if you're terminally ill or something. And, you know, countries around the world are creating laws around this idea. I believe in Belgium now, as young as 15 or 16, you can be euthanized if you are, if a psychiatrist approves you, if you're depressed enough, you can euthanize yourself, basically, which I find to be incredibly troubling. But, you know, this is an idea I think a lot of people can empathize around, at least the idea that perhaps some people are better off if or they shouldn't be made to continue to suffer uh, against their will if they want to be able to kill themselves they should I mean that's not personally necessarily what I believe but it's an idea I think most people are at least aware of and can empathize with on some level you know so he convinced her of this and in her mind she was helping him and she was also mentally ill but all of this is irrelevant because the real problem with the Michelle Carter case is that in Massachusetts where this happened suicide is not uh necessarily illegal or it's not homicide you know but then because of her words, she told him because there was a time where he was going to get out of the car. He said, I don't feel good. I'm going to get out of the car, whatever. In the text message, she told him, get back in the car, you know. And because of this, she was charged and convicted with homicide. Uh, I believe it was some degree of manslaughter, which is a homicide charge. So according to the government of, Mass of the state of Massachusetts, the difference between a suicide, which is not a homicide, the difference between a suicide and a homicide can be made through only words. That's a really, really uh, bold claim, don't you think? 
I mean, that should be really troubling from any sort of philosophical consideration that the difference between a homicide and a suicide, a suicide transcends into murder when there are words involved. The implication then is that words are murder. That should really fucking scare you because where is the line drawn, you know? And there's already been a case that's almost identical to Michelle Carter's that has uh, happened since that case. All of this only in the span of the last few years. I think both of them fall within the past four years, you know. This should worry you. If laws are being made that the difference between homicide and suicide is words. Words are literal murder. Like, hello, do you want to live in a government that agrees with this idea that words are literal murder? I mean, where does it end? If words are murder, then... Couldn't words also be considered premeditated murder? If I call you ugly, if I call you stupid, if I say your dad doesn't love you, and then you go and kill yourself, I mean, is that also murder? Is bullying murder? I'm pretty sure many people who have committed suicide have done so because of external influences, feeling as if everyone hated them, did this or that, you know? I'm not trying to trivialize the issue. I'm being dead serious here. Like, I don't think we should be accepting this you know i think the reasons why you at least should be really critical uh is are obvious you know and the the michelle carter conviction also rests on a cultural attitude it's built on you know i don't think that her case i mean maybe because she is some young little woman and if you watch the documentary about it, it was interesting. They were drawing parallels to, like, witch hunting and shit, which I think is interesting. You know, there's definitely a component of this that's relevant to, like, feminist thinking and shit. But regardless, I don't necessarily think that this case would have existed a decade ago, you know. Like, I, I think that there is definitely a growing cultural attitude that accepts that words are violence, and as such, we should persecute them. But I find it curious because the people that seem to uphold this kind of thinking and are pro this kind of, you know, cancel culture, Michelle Carter's need to be punished for this or that. These people are also the same people that believe in like prison abolition and shit and are critical as they should be rightfully critical of the idea that the state does not exist to punish people. Criminal justice should be a thing that protects the general citizenry. So in that sense, you know, Michelle Carter should not be thrown in prison to be punished, which a lot of people seem to to agree with that she should be punished but she should only be thrown in prison if she can be deemed a threat to the general public which things like murderers are you know and rapists we don't want to punish them although of course we do on some sort of personal visceral level but it's not the role of the state to punish people the role of the state should only be to protect the rest of the citizenry from danger you know this is why we should put murderers and rapists away uh, contained somehow away from the general public because they're dangerous not because it's the role of the state to punish people but we've observed from day one that this is what the state does punishes people so we we pick and choose when we're okay with it you know and when we see someone like michelle carter or this other woman we're like yeah get that bitch you know it's like i understand and empathize with that sentiment but I don't want the government to do it. You know what I'm saying? 
we can punish people culturally <laughs> punish them yourself i don't want to live in a government where the state exists to punish people but the, all of this thinking is you know the thinking that leads to things like the michelle carter conviction where words are now literal murder and this other woman i keep forgetting her fucking name i'm sorry you know this thinking is propagated by us the people so this is why no matter what people say like oh that's just capitalism or oh these people aren't thrown in jail like we should we should still be being really vigilant because i mean for one we need to accept that like this why do we i mean it's so it's such a brain fuck because like we act like the government is overly authoritarian it does way too much that it shouldn't be doing you know it, it has such a tight grip on our lives in a way that is authoritarian and then we also act like it, it's our personal ar army you know and we need it for all of these things like how are you critical of the authoritarianism of government and at the same time you want to act like as long as the government's doing its job everything is okay you know people aren't thrown in jail for this or that it's, it's like absolving ourselves of all responsibility like you want the government to have less of a role in daily life so what would that mean it would mean that all of these things about racism and sexism and what have you these are the things that we should be policing amongst ourselves which i think we are to a certain degree but we are involving the government and institutional shit and this is part of why i think people are starting to actually become really troubled and dismayed you know because it's like i i agree that people should be shamed to a certain level you know if somebody says something stupid, call them out, you know? Of course, this is all part of the free speech atmosphere that I agree with and want to help build. But having people actually, like, fired for making mistakes or for things that are just not so clear, you know? Like, things where I can see why there would be a debate, you know? Even when I might personally think that it's so stupid, like, to talk about, like, all of the... Uh, like neurological studies about female brain and male brain and shit like i find these things to be really sexist at an institutional level and they should be weeded out and publicly shamed and disavowed and all this but i don't think that people should be like fired for having an opinion that according to these studies like women are stupid or something you know i mean that's just me i can only speak for the demographic i'm a part of i would not want that for many reasons that I think I just kind of talked about but you know also personally it make me feel like a fucking pussy because if I want people canceled for having an opinion I disagree with that I think is sexist or something I see that as like I'm basically signaling that I have no fucking argument I can't hang with myself there's no rational justification for why this is sexist and sexism is bad you know I'm basically saying I don't have a fucking argument I'm just going to weaponize the this rare moment in time where public opinion coincidentally seems to be on my side about something and get you fired you know that's pussy to me that's for cowards um reading i'm not sure what you were talking about here let's see jfzk how do you feel about large platforms where the given facts and logic, quote-unquote, are not based on reality and spread misinformation? Fox News, Alec Jones, etc. 
I I think it's a tricky subject, you know? Like, personally, cancel me. See, this is a problem. I'm even afraid to, like, say what I think right now, but I don't think this is a contentious argument. I'm not actually afraid, otherwise I wouldn't say it. But I was averse to Alex Jones being kicked off of Twitter, personally. And I think InfoWars is some of the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. And not only is it dumb, but I think that the stuff he was saying literally damaged people's lives, you know? Like, it, especially with the Sandy Hook shooting, people were, like, coming after the parents of these people and shit like this, you know? It was absolutely terrible. But I don't think that the solution is necessarily to throw people or to uh yeah to throw people like alex jones off of their platform you know because even though he's a fucking idiot we have to at least establish some really strict criteria for what is and is not accepted it can't just be whatever the general public happens to believe today because to do that is to be incredibly naive, you know, to speak about things like racism and shit, you know, like it's wonderful that we exist in a time now where people generally are trying to or the general public, at least as far as like cancel culture, quote unquote, goes, the people being canceled are people who uh, uphold certain white supremacist uh, agendas and thinking and also people who are just you know, people who are just flagrantly racist and shit. This is a good thing and a wonderful thing that the public is on this side of things right now. But if you create a culture where people can be, let's say that we, we, because of this culture, we come up with certain rules where people can be disavowed and publicly canceled and fired because of racist thinking or something how do you know that the per that the interpretation of whatever laws or policies we come up with to uphold this agenda won't come to bite you in the ass tomorrow you know because we see all the time conservatives especially be like well this person's racist you know because they'll talk about like black people this black person's racist because they're a black supremacist and reverse racism is real and shit it's like you have to be able to articulate why you don't think that this is true, you know? You can't just be like, you can't just throw your support uh, behind whatever the general public feels today because that's so fucking naive and ahistorical of you to act like it's not going to be you tomorrow, you know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, how did any of this shit even happen? How did we even get here? to where we have a quote-unquote cancel culture because there has been more public discourse than ever from your everyman now that we have things like social media you know never has there been a time in history where everybody has their own personal soapbox to go speak their opinion which is a wonderful thing you know and discourse has opened up i mean we see people posting essays self-written and having thousands of people read them and all this shit, you know, like this this environment of free and public discourse has in many ways been a great thing, you know. So I think because we recognize it's a great and a powerful thing and words, while not literal violence, can translate into literal violence, can turn into, not turn into, but be the platform for literal violence, all these things, you know. This has always been true. I think that at a cultural level we should really uh be aware of our own power we have this idea that everything nothing matters until it's concretized somehow through legislation or policy or whatever but 
we really fail to recognize just how powerful culture itself is. And we are all complicit in culture. We all participate in it daily. I'm participating in it right now by being on YouTube on my own soapbox and speaking whatever the fuck I'm speaking, you know. So stop absolving yourselves, ourselves, of accountability. If you think that there's any sort of valid criticism to be made and your only defense is like, well, that's how capitalism goes, or, well, it doesn't matter because it's not a law, you can't go to jail for this, then I think that your argument needs to be improved upon. I don't really accept that as an argument, especially if you're critical of capitalism, which I am, you know. I'm not going, my justification for a criticism of cancel culture can't just be, well, capitalism is functioning perfectly. Like, yeah, that's a fucking problem too, <laughs> you know, or whatever else I just said. I don't know, looking at the, uh, <laughs> just got here, LOL, but fuck Chomsky. Why is that, Barbie? Like I said, I'm not well-read in Chomsky. I don't know much about him. Uh, I'm just trying to be clickbaity with my title and get people in here, because I know he's a big name. Cancel culture is like neoliberalism. Tell us more. Blotter Downey. I mean that in a practical way. Like, hopefully seeing actual consequences happening to people, regardless of their status, will help to stop it from happening, but maybe that's naive. I don't think it's naive, Blotter, and I actually think that this is part of why people, and myself too, in many of these circumstances, scoff at people who are going on and on about cancel culture, because for the longest time, the people going on about this the most are, you know, fucking Ben Shapiro types and the intellectual dark web and, you know, whoever else that's like really just wants to talk about IQ rates differing between racial demographics and the bell curve and men and women have different brains and all this shit you know these are the people who really started to have the most criticisms and it's it's self-satisfying on a certain level to see these people be fucking kicked off of this or that or people people being able to exercise their free speech to tell them to shut the fuck up you know at the same time, I do think that it is naive if we don't really consider just how serious and how popular uh, the tools of censorship have always been in authoritarian governments. I mean, I think that this, this honestly, is partially a symptom of the fact that in America, you know, white liberals have never really had to worry about a thing like censorship. I mean, we're also fucking, I'm not a liberal, but I am a white person. We're also fucking entitled. I've never had to really like worry too much that the government is going to come to my fucking house and arrest me because I said this or that, you know, like because I've never had to face this fear like, I think that I, uh, we represent a very entitled position where you treat the fear as if it is trivial. Like, as if censorship is not one of the number one tools of any authoritarian or fascist regime. I think that you can have practical, rational reasons for why you might throw support behind, you know, getting certain people fired or removed, such as the person Lex was talking about from their university, basically making light of the rape and murder of this person. You don't want this person representing your university. But, you know, I think that I think that we should not just so just treat it so laissez faire. You know, this is serious. Like censorship 
you know, we we make jokes about all the my free speech fucking people because a lot of them are these confederate flag toting fucking i don't know people who just you know mind comp reading whoever like it's easy right now to trivialize the argument because we've never really had to worry too much about it but it's naive because they'll come for you tomorrow i mean people seem to think that fascism fascist ideology is on the rise around the whole world right and censorship is like the number one tool of this and you know we have donald trump in fucking power like censorship should scare you just because uh you generally agree with the the whoever's getting canceled by twitter or whatever i mean you should still be afraid it's naive to think that this can't be you when we got people now getting convicted for homicide in massachusetts because of fucking text messages like just you're naive too if you think that like you know People getting canceled for racism today where we all agree that like reverse racism is not real. That's not necessarily going to be true tomorrow. You know, people are going to say that even criticizing white people is racism and that will be not allowed and you will be banned, you know. So don't be fucking naive. We all like to think that we just know so much. None of us know shit. That's it. And it's not fear mongering. It's just having a fucking brain. I mean, nothing is as clear as it presents as, or it rarely is. <clears throat> Phil Mitchell, punish them yourself. I don't want the government involved. Isn't that what cancel culture is? Well, I think to a certain extent it is, Phil, but some of the things that we're talking about, I mean, people especially i mean something that makes me really wary is like you know certain studies peer-reviewed studies not being published or their publication being retracted because of this or that this sort of thing freaks me out and i think that on a certain level i mean i don't know what the relationship is like between institutions of the academic science and the actual u.s government but i believe that there is some sort of actual relationship you know because i know like certain doctors need to be certified and doctors like i don't know there's all there's all of these institutional inst all of this institutional criteria for science and medicine and all of these things i definitely think that the fact that like you know certain scientists are being censored and shit i mean this really bothers me personally i don't know about you like for me that's that's a problem like i think that the public should absolutely be able to drag this or that person and say oh we don't agree with this this isn't right like fuck this but you shouldn't take it away you know i don't think that that's a good thing to do for and it's not because of some like implicit like i just believe freedom of speech is good thing either i think it's also for rational reasons you know we should all be honing our own argumentative skills if all you have is this offends me and i believe this thing which is also like some opinion like that's not a fucking argument we should be able to articulate why this or that thing is disagreeable otherwise we're not really spreading our own cause either we're just 
doing something that does come to look very dogmatic and it's mere coincidence which is really the main point i think i'm trying to make here i think it's mere coincidence that there's been a lot of public support around some of the certain narratives because i agree with a lot of these narratives that are behind quote unquote cancel culture you know fuck races fuck sexes fuck whoever you know but i don't think that i think that we should be really careful because i'm paranoid as fuck i don't know about you guys i think we should all be paranoid as fuck like i think that the government might be <laughs> benefiting from this cultural attitude that we've been fostering and that continues to grow more and more every day i mean the part of the reason that this discussion has happened is because of what we've been seeing on social media these platforms that are the number one platform for us to communicate with each other and even watch the news i mean without youtube i wouldn't be able to see the news at all i don't have tv i watch all of my news through youtube you know i i i hear the president's first or the president's words on twitter you know like i don't this is like our ways of learning about the news in many instances like so i think that we should be cautious to you know accept this attitude this culture um debbie friday hey debbie friday everyone go listen to debbie friday's music and watch her videos it's another plug hope you're doing good culture is more powerful than politics interesting debbie um i think to a certain degree yeah or at least the two cannot be divorced you know politics is informed by culture and vice versa of course you know this is part of why we've seen in the past four years certain groups of people become absolutely emboldened because of what's going on in the u.s politically you know never has the kkk or at least not in the in recent memory KKK, neo-Nazi groups, certain groups felt so comfortable to go out into the open because the political re reality is emboldening them, emboldening them to do so, you know? So I think both are absolutely, they're intertwined. They, you can't really separate them. So, and a lot of the issues informing cancel culture are political. A lot of the ideology has to do with political ideals, you know? So these things are not like divorced from each other. Just because it's true that I can't get thrown in jail right now for saying 9-11 uh, was awesome, that doesn't mean it's not gonna be true tomorrow. Ayushad Ankabi, I'm reading Debbie Friday's comment has so many insightful things to say about cancel culture and liberal woke culture. You should check her out. I would love to. Please post something if you have it handy. Otherwise, I'll just Google it. Uh, or if you know the title of anything we should be reading. Thank you. Um, Phil says, the point about white liberals not feeling they have to be worried about it is the best point you've made so far. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that is one of the stronger points because, you know, my central point is only that we shouldn't be treating this issue as if it's so trivial, which I personally perceive us to be doing because as far as I've seen, all of the criticisms of cancel, cancel culture, nobody is actually coming back with any sort of real arguments, only saying like, hey, capitalism wor is working as intended, or they're saying, nobody's really getting canceled 
close look at all these celebrities they're fine but i think that that's that second response well the first one you know doesn't even make sense because we're all critical of capitalism too so why is your defense of cancel culture only that well that's how capitalism works wouldn't that mean that you're also critical of that you know so like what is it but then the second response that these celebrities aren't getting canceled like it's not about the fucking celebrities the celebrities are the only ones who can't get canceled you know we should be worried about the people whose names we will never hear of the fact that you're only hearing about celebrities getting canceled and shit for the most part i mean that just speaks to the reality that i think celebrities are some of the only people that don't have to worry because they're celebrities we all know if something's gonna happen to them we're not gonna know if you get fucking fired uh, no one will ever speak of it you know you'll be on your own or if you get arrested or if whatever happens you know no one's checking for you so of course celebrities are speaking out they're uncancelable but we should be thinking about the common man the people uh, i don't know i mean people making trying to make novel insights you know i mean people people are I mean, look at what they fucking, I mean, the FBI killed Martin Luther King Jr., you know? Like, you, it's like, people people act like what the narratives that are well accepted now are like narratives that would have always been accepted, you know? Like, the attitude of shutting up people who you find to be disagreeable, I mean, that's not, it's just not a good attitude to foster not that these people are saying anything defensible but we need to defend the idea that the best argument is the most rational one so you need to be able to debate anything brought against you you know this is the only tools we have for public discourse like everything is up for debate there's definitely this culture of like nothing is up for debate nothing is this isn't up for debate it should be up for debate if you personally don't feel like you can debate it then step aside and let someone else do it you know like misogyny sexism these things that influence me on a personal level these things as far as i'm concerned are up for debate i will debate them if you don't want to debate them then go home go home i'll debate them for us it's fine also i mean you know to speak of art not that art matters because art's dumb and useless and serves no purpose <laughs> But, you know, to speak of art, something we've been talking about in Phenomenology Club recently a few times is questions of satire, which I want to do a, an upload on. You know, like, we've been talking about what is satire? What's the best satire, you know? And, well, I don't want to spoil the satire upload, you know, but a lot of satire, I think, is not completely distinguishable as satire, which I personally find to be the best satire, which we'll talk about contradictory to the idea that you know satire has to make obvious the object of its criticism otherwise it fails as satire which i find to be a sort of absurd maxim because what is satire if not a thing that obfuscates on some level what its intentions are even if the intentions are at some point obvious it would not be satire if there was no question satire is a thing where there is some element of question no matter, I mean, whether or not it's obvious what the agenda is. Because we were watching Team America on 4th of July and talking about this, you know. Like, Team America might be a movie that couldn't get made now, you know. For many reasons that have to do with the film industry fucking tanking. But, like, you know, shit like this. It's like... You know, I think that the agenda of that movie is pretty clear. <laughs> that America is fucking hilarious. 
in a terrifying, devastating way. And we are terrorists of the world. We are world police. And freedom isn't free. But, you know, that movie has a lot of controversial shit that I don't even necessarily stand behind. But I stand behind the fact it could be made, you know. I do think that it's thought-provoking. And even if its agenda or message is lost on many, I think that there's many it's not lost on. But that's a whole different topic. We'll talk about that another day. Um, Debbie Friday. I have a hunch that from a psychoanalytic perspective, cancel culture is symptomatic of people's refusal to actually deal with their shadows in constructive ways that lead to integration. Well, that's really interesting. What do you mean by that? Cancel culture is symptomatic of people's refusal to actually deal with their shadows in constructive ways that lead to integration. Hmm, I want to know what you mean by that. That's, that's interesting. Um... It does make me think, though, I mean, just from reading that, yeah, it makes me think that a lot of people, a lot of people also, I think, participate in the thing we call cancel culture in a way that seems to be like, don't come for me, you know, like, I'm like, some of the things that I see people get dragged for, it's like, there's no way that you have never behaved in a way that someone else could, could or there's no way that the person you're criticizing has done something worse than something you've ever done. You know what I'm saying? Because some of the transgressions that people... I mean, look at this fucking letter. People are canceling Noam Chomsky for this letter that's three paragraphs long that we just read together that really didn't say anything incredibly contentious. The fact that this is true, I think, should bother you. That people are canceling Noam Chomsky for signing this letter he didn't even write it he signed it alongside 150 people some of whom i think are probably terrible people some of who i mean most of them i've never heard of but the people that i did recognize are people that fall along the political spectrum like all over it you know what i'm saying like this is it wasn't like all conservatives signing this or all liberals like it's people from all different places some of them more ridiculous than others the fact that he's getting canceled for this like <laughs> Like, that should show, I think it kind of proves the point in a certain way, you know? Like, come on, really? It's just crazy. It's, and it's a cultural problem, you know? It's not, and this is what we're criticizing. So to say that, oh, it doesn't matter because it's not been integrated at some sort of political le uh, level, so who cares about your calls for, or your crying about censorship and stuff, like... I think that that's such a farce because like what do we talk about half the time I mean what do I talk about half the time in this channel a lot of what I'm criticizing is cultural you know criticizing astrology for example like that's not like who cares like so many of our discussions have to do with things that aren't necessarily political or like encoded in legislation so why would this be any different you know. I just feel like I haven't really seen a lot of good arguments in response to some of the better arguments, like the ones I think that are kind of made in this letter, at least alluded to. Like, I think that there is a problem, and the problem's cultural. I think the cultural problem can lead to a more political problem, and this is why we should be afraid in looking at histories of fascist regimes and overly authoritarian governments that are totally, like, uh, censor the fuck out of everything. I mean, and we don't even have proper free speech in America, but what little, well, not little, I think that we have an okay, I mean, it depends really what we're thinking about, but we don't even have like pure and perfect free speech in America. I think what we do have, we should preserve and we should be pushing for even more free speech, you know? Uh, what would you do? <laughs> uh, 
Dylan. I think that's the point, that they had such a broad list of signees. Yeah, I agree. I think that they did that on purpose, you know. They wanted to show that, like, this is this is a coalition. And even the people more on the right, you know, that signed this letter, uh, in the letter itself, it's criticizing uh, Donald Trump. It's saying that there's illiberal attitudes growing and i've seen conservatives criticize the letter it's not only people it's not only liberals criticizing the letter it's also conservatives who are like you would have had a point if you left out donald trump <laughs> you know like it's i mean so not only is there people on the right and conservatives who signed this letter but the letter is pretty clear where it stands you know so i i think it's <laughs> The fact that people are canceling 92-year-old Noam Chomsky, that should bother you. <clears throat> and from what I've seen, part of the reason is because of other people uh, who signed this letter. They're critical of him, like, aligning with them or whatever. Which is like, well, that's not a fucking argument. Like, they're... There's so many people on the fucking thing, you know? Like, I don't know who most of them are, but I recognize a bunch of them. I know some of them are right-wing idiots. Some of them are liberal idiots. Some of them are just neutral whoever's. I don't know. We got poets in here. We got Winston Marsalis. Like, you know, it's like... It's just... I think you should be afraid. I mean, we were talking about it a moment ago. They're talking about the uh, woman who's missing, that actress... Uh, R.I.P. to her. I mean, I know she's not confirmed dead, but, like, I heard that people are already, quote-unquote, canceling her. Like, come on. You don't think that we are in a bit of a cultural... This is a, this is alarming, the culture, where, you know, people can't even, like, mourn the loss of someone without instantly somebody trying to talk about how they're a terrible person. I mean, it's their right, and I definitely agree with free speech, but, like, I'm saying, again... It's like, I think this is a cultural problem, so I'm criticizing it at a cultural level, you know. But at the end of the day, of course, I think everyone should retain the right to talk shit about whoever they want, dead or alive, no matter how unempathetic it makes you look, you know. So I absolutely defend their right to do so, too. But I just think that and there's definitely something troubling about the climate i'll say that the cultural climate i mean what do you guys think i'm about to get out of here like what are your general sentiments do you agree do you disagree do you think i sound like a fucking boomer am i a fear monger talking about censorship what do you think what's what's your honest to god fucking opinion Debbie Friday said, responding to my response to you, that's exactly it. What I mean is that a lot of people refuse to admit that they can be bad people, quote-unquote, or are scared to be found out that they've done bad things, quote-unquote, instead. Oh, and so instead, they attack the things they are ashamed of within, ashamed of within by attacking other people, externalization of their shadow selves. Yeah, I think that that's true, Debbie, and this is part of why I think people are saying that this culture becomes dogmatic. It's starting to feel dogmatic. I mean, if it hasn't already, it feels kind of like this religious, like, atonement. I mean, the letter says moral certainty, you know? There is definitely this feeling of moral certainty in all of these various arguments. People speak with moral authority, you know? 
which is silly because I mean morality itself is such a nebulous concept and a thing that philosophers for centuries have been fighting over what the fuck even is morality and then people are just speaking with this incredible incredible confidence and authority on a thing like you know the morality of having an opinion about something i think it's just absurd especially as like a philosophy enthusiast because we can argue about what the fuck a chair is for three hours and we have in phenomenology club like of course i'm never going to feel like there's some clear-cut answer to the moral value of a statement about something much more complex than a fucking chair you know what i'm saying like like <laughs> nothing i don't nothing is certain period i can't even tell you with confidence what a fucking chair is i absolutely cannot tell you if this or that thing is morally wrong too much confidence out here. I'm going to need everyone to chop themselves down a few feet, please. <clears throat> Dylan says, and I'm just about to get out of here, by the way. I've been going for a while, but I would love to hear your general sentiments before I go. Like I said, please share some with me. Dylan says, yeah, Chomsky's quote is, if you believe in freedom of speech, you believe in the freedom of speech specifically for views you do not like. I think it's interesting to consider the point of certain speech, but the whole point of freedom is freedom of limitations. You can't just establish a threshold of allowance slash disallowance. I agree, right? Because what use is the, is the concept of freedom of speech if you're not talking about the freedom of everybody to have dissenting opinions you know because we wouldn't even need to talk about a concept like freedom of speech if it wasn't observably true that oftentimes people's speech has been suppressed by either the uh, authority suppressing your speech or a mob of people suppressing your speech you know it's observably true that censorship is a real phenomena that can be in, uh, enacted at either a legal level, at a sociocultural level, and it leads to lots of problems. So it's not like we should embrace freedom of speech because it's some quote-unquote inalienable right. Embrace it for no fucking reason, but embrace it for the fact that we know that censorship is a very powerful and often used tool against people and against marginalized peoples especially and you're a fool and you're naive if you think that this culture we're all complicit in fostering is not going to turn around and bite us in the ass at the soonest fucking convenience don't be a stupid fucking white liberal naive <laughs> lex i do not think therefore i do not am that's deep as fuck, Lex. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you. Coming in with the zangers. Therefore, I aren't. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, oh, I'm going to read Blotter's comment. I didn't see this earlier. Guess it comes down to the balance of promoting actual positive tangible change versus, versus just straight up stomping out anything seen as opposition. Bad. You're right that it's a fine line with censorship. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's no clear-cut answer, you know. It's not like, and Janine said, yay, uncertainty. 
Like, uncertainty is something I definitely cling to hard. I know for a fact, not for a fact, see, that's how uncertain I am. I won't say it's a fact, but it seems to me pretty observably true that most things do not have a clear-cut answer, you know? Most things must be addressed, even what seems like the simplest question, what is a chair, it must be addressed with hypervigilance to actually address everything that the question is contingent on you know so a thing like free speech and what isn't isn't allowed and what isn't is not good when it comes to this question is not a thing that there's some answer for it's not going to be cancel culture is good or cancel culture is bad you know to think of things like people being fired for being flagrantly racist you know I think that they should be fired I guess or I don't know if I think they should be fired but I don't think that the institutions that hire them should not be allowed to not fire them that's what I'll say I don't think they necessarily need to be fired but if it were me if I headed this university yes I would fire them like of course I don't want these people representing me and I don't want these people in charge of our vulnerable student populations you know but like I think that there needs to at least be some sort of criteria established for how we are going to try to tackle this issue culturally you know because it is a cultural problem and as a cultural problem we're all complicit and we're all able to help in some way by offering our feedback uninterrupted I think the fact that this question itself is a thing that is contentious you know and that I mean we know for a fact not a real fact because I'm uncertain remember we know for a fact that uh, make everybody in uh, on Twitter listen to this speech I've just given, this hour and 20 minutes of myself talking, there will be a multitude of people that just tear it apart and call me a fucking boomer and in a sense cancel me <laughs> for some of this shit. You know, I mean, they'll forget about me five seconds later. It's not like I'm some recognizable person. I don't actually like fear for my livelihood, but just everything I've said here. I mean, like, should I be afraid of like having this incredibly vague conversation the fact that like literally everything is up for intense scrutiny and people will take things uh from conversations like this to deem you a bad person to align you with nazis and like right-wing fascists and shit like this i mean i think that that should trouble all of us like the fact that people are just like losing their shit about Noam Chomsky and this letter and I'm not exaggerating seriously type Noam Chomsky into Twitter or into YouTube and filter results by the past week you will see some crazy fucking takes like seriously I mean even the word crazy I've just said I, I think that that word's not allowed anymore either you know like there's definitely restrictions I think we're all feeling put on our own body some of them for good reasons and some of them reflecting actual biases that we should second guess within ourselves and you know check our language in certain places absolutely it's a great thing and a thing that we've only been made aware of because of free and public discourse at the same time people should not be afraid to ask questions and afraid to engage in discourse like that's just why would you want that you know especially if the goal is enacting change if you want to enact change from a cultural perspective then you need to win over the hearts and minds of individuals right if you just try to use brute force it could work to a certain degree but i think you would have better outcomes if you actually are able to convince people of an argument and i personally believe very much that morality is a logical argument you know 
I don't believe anything is true intrinsically. This is good. This is bad. Even a thing like murder. I don't think murder is bad for any reason. Then it is illogical. It is illogical to murder people. Murder is contradictory to the goals of civilized society. A thing that exists to protect people from bodily harm. Faced from faced by each other. From each other. Harm from the elements, harm from non-human animals, things like this, you know, even this moral uh, murder. Like, you know, you should be able to defend with an argument anything you believe. Morality is relative. We know this, right, as, as phenomenologists and philosophy enthusiasts. So everything has an argument. There is nothing that is just simply true or not true, especially when it comes to morality or ethics. And you will win over more support the more you're able to articulate these arguments. I mean, this is true for everything that we're seeing that is working. People have been able to come to less racist worldviews because of the kinds of arguments they are being exposed to from black activists, from people who have been fighting for black liberation for decades and decades, the more exposure to these well-articulated arguments, the more people are coming to check and change their own worldviews, you know. This is all made possible by way of clear, clearly articulated arguments. So why would this need to stop at a certain point, you know? That's, that's a great thing. We should be venerating that process. That's what I got to say about that. <clears throat> quote, uh, eighth or not, the left, quote unquote, in America is a runaway dumpster fire. Not sure what you mean by that. Um, we don't really have a left in America, huh? We have a bunch of liberals that call themselves leftists and communists. Um, we don't really have a left, so to speak, do we now? blotter cancel for discourse about discourse lol right that's what i'm saying like come on you know that this shit is getting ridiculous and i think a lot of people are honestly scared to say that it's getting ridiculous because they know that that could get you in trouble like don't even say what you're thinking and I think that on some personal level, you know, you come to actually almost brainwash yourself. If you feel that you say something, if you feel that you can't say something because it's worthy of being canceled, quote unquote, I think a lot of people, because I feel like this is something I've observed in myself, I try to correct myself sometimes internally. I think I almost do it like, passively without thinking like okay i have an opinion that i can't make in public that means maybe my opinion is wrong and then i try to change it within myself and it's like we're all like fucking like brainwashing ourselves i think that's kind of fucked i think there's also like real reasons that we've been articulating here in this discussion for why you also want to be cautious in being critical of cancel culture, quote unquote, because there's really a lot of great things that have come from it. You know, it is good that racists are scared. It is good that people are scared of saying bigoted things that are harmful to other people, things that actually do translate into real world violence against certain groups of people. That's great, you know, but there is still a discussion to be had here. It requires discussion, you know. I mean, shit. All right, bye, Debbie. Thank you for coming. And bye to Dylan as well. Thank you for coming. I'm about to get out of here, too. Uh, Sabumatrine. Arguments are not better than propaganda. 
I don't know what you mean. I assume what you mean there is that uh, propaganda is more effective than arguments, which I think maybe I would agree with. Um, really depends what we're talking about. I would pro probably say that's probably true. I think propaganda works more effectively than well-articulated arguments, you know, because who wants to use their words? Words are hard. Thinking is hard, you know. Shit. So that's something that we, sh those of us who want to have arguments, well-articulated arguments, should be invested in, you know, thinking, too, about, like, how even the takes we agree with, if you feel as if they're coming to resemble propaganda and the people repeating these takes that you personally align with, if they're not, if they're not well articulated, if the justification for them is not present, then you should be really concerned, you know, because this is, you know, I, I mean, something that I think is really undervalued is the sentiment that all statements are only as good as their justifying statements, you know. Myself and a Christian believe that, we both believe that the sky is blue, you know. I believe that the sky is blue because, uh, you know, a certain amount of real world variables exist in the natural world and they all come together to leave me with the resulting affectation that I perceive the sky to be blue. And a Christian thinks that the sky is blue because God in all his creative wonder painted that motherfucker fucking blue, you know. And if we just accept together, like, the sky is blue, um, that might work for us for a very short period of time. But what happens if the Christian group is the one in power and authority and following from this shared premise that we both agree the sky is blue they then start to say the sky is blue you know or the sky is blue because god has ordained it so and you know if the sky changes colors let's say because of climate change well the sky is now blue because god or the, the sky becomes green from climate change now the Christians, because they believe God made the sky blue, will also say, well, now the sky is green because God made it so. And I'll say, wait, no, the sky is now green because of climate change. We're all going to die. And maybe they'll say, well, if we all die, then God has made it so. Like, get over it. Like, then we have a problem. You know what I'm saying? So if we're not, if we don't agree with the underlying justification for any statement, then we don't agree straight up. So myself as a feminist, you know, I see a lot of people make feminist arguments that maybe I agree with. But I don't agree with the reasoning behind them. I don't agree with them at all, you know. So seeing people go on and cancel each other because of this or that and misogyny and whatever the fuck, you know, I don't I don't even if I agree with like their conclusion, if I don't agree with their justifying argument, I don't agree with you, period. So this is why we need discourse, because you're just going to run into an infinite amount of problems down the line. The sky is blue because, boom, that's what we need to agree about. Otherwise, we really don't agree that the sky is blue, period. I mean, whatever. Fuck it. Joe says, this pseudo-intellectual fake woke, woke bullshit is why we can't progress to the next stage of existence. That's funny because <laughs> in reading that, I feel like you're talking about me. Are you making fun of me? Because I totally accept that criticism. <laughs> That's what I feel like I'm doing right now. This fake woke intellectual bullshit is why we can't progress because I just I'm just going to talk myself into oblivion and not do anything.
but I think that you're actually criticizing quote unquote cancel culture. <laughs> uh, Janine says morality can never be concluded because we don't know the future of everything. Well, I mean, morality can't be concluded, quote unquote, because I, I truly believe that. Well, yeah, what you just said, we can't know the future. You know, it's true. A lot of what we talk about when it comes to moral arguments has to do with hypothesizing into future realities, you know, to talk about the trolley experiment, the most famous moral mind game, you know, like when you pull the lever or abstain from pulling the lever, you know, where did the conversations go? They're like, oh, well, what if that person was Einstein? Or what if the other people are babies? Or not babies, but what if that other person was going to cure cancer? We really can't know, you know? So a lot of what we make in the form of moral arguments are totally hypothetical, and that's a great point to bring up. Like, it's not like there's some absolute... You know, I mean, the way language is structured, period, and the way ideas of truth are structured, we ha we exist in a very binary, check out that buzzword, we exist in a very binary system of truth and logic where we act as if a statement can be true or untrue definitively. And this is a farce, you know. This system exists for practical reasons. It's a completely useful system where, you know, a statement is either true or untrue. But most statements aren't really one or the other. They're only true or untrue depending on a certain context, you know, that requires so many variables. I mean, including all the words that compose the statement being made, you know, like, there's infinite, infinite amounts of variables, and this is why I think Janine and I celebrate uncertainty. Uncertainty is a thing that we can grasp with confidence. I think the more intelligent you are, the more you will be able to see that uncertainty is a thing to be venerated. Of course, you need to get stuff done. You can't just be fake woke intellectualizing into YouTube all day until you fucking die. At a certain point, you have to make a decision, but confidence is definitely uh for fools michael Carrig. oh my god i love you michael michael's here also there may be an equivocation between ethical arguments and arguments of function a steam engine and good are not the same sort of concept love the talk that's a great point michael i'm gonna read it one more time also, there may be an equivocation between ethical arguments and arguments of function. A steam engine and good are not the same sort of concept. That's absolutely true. You know, a steam engine is a thing that is more quantitative, I would say. And good is something that is only qualitative, right? And good doesn't really exist. I mean, you could argue a steam engine also doesn't exist in the sense that steam engine, when we talk about it, is a concept that is ultimately not real. But it describes something real, quote unquote, not to get fake deep. But you know what I mean? I mean, good is not a thing that we can prove exists <laughs> any more than, you know any other sort of uh, adjective or adverb does like it's it's qualitative and i think this is also true of well hmm, we could get complicated here i think it's also true of morality at least as far as like hypothesizing into future outcomes is like we were saying i can't really say if it's more good to pull the lever or to abstain from pulling the lever because i don't know the future i don't know if the person that i decide is going to die because i pull the lever is uh, einstein or something you know so maybe it's not good but uh 
you know, I think, too, that to go back to murder, I can say that murder is not the moral good for reasons, you know, because I think that morality is a thing that we do have pretty strict criteria for, or at least we can articulate strict criteria for if we're going to talk about what is or is not good, you know. Like, if you come up with a definition, because that's really all we have to do if we want to know what morality is, it's not like morality is anything outside of what we determine morality is, right? If I say that morality is like the principles concerning, or I say that the moral good of any society is the thing that preserves the survival and livelihood of the general population, you know, then it would be really easy for me to say that murder is not the moral good in my society. I mean, the moral good is relative to my society, right? It's easy to say that this is not the moral good uh, because it's contradictory to the goals of my society where I'm trying to promote the survival and livelihood of my citizenry. But then a thing like whether or not this opinion being spoken is good, like this opinion I'm speaking about now for an hour and 35 minutes and here, that's something that I don't think you could really say, is it good, is it not good? Because part of what I'm also doing is hypothesizing into future outcomes. I'm talking about censorship and shit and the government coming for us all because I said that 9-11 rocks. I love 9-11, you know? I can say that today. What about tomorrow? Huh? <laughs> Freedom is I'm free. All right, anyway, I've talked for too long. I'm going to get out of here. I usually only go like 45 minutes to an hour and I've gone 35 minutes over. I'm sorry, but I hope that... You enjoyed this talk if you did enjoy it or even if you fucking hated it please give me a thumbs up because thumbs up really helped me also again our discord server is only one dollar to join if you enjoy having these kinds of conversations we're in there all day long uh we have many channels come on in and talk to us www.phenomenology.club you can learn more about our club and how you join the discord also the patreon patreon.com slash phenomenology club we have reading series right now we're doing an american politics series uh we meet every sunday into the foreseeable future um and then soon we'll be getting back to our book club series uh where we read philosophical texts from various authors the last one we read was Husserl um and our next one will also be about Husserl but right now we're on a brief hiatus to do some political readings instead because as you can see from my past few uploads you know politics is at the forefront of my mind right now with everything going on how could I not be we'll get back to Husserl soon though so anyone anyway Thank you all for coming. Give me a thumbs up. Subscribe. Do all that shit. Be safe. Wash your fucking hands, you filthy fucking animals. <laughs>